Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the great privilege it is to be able to come with your people, with fellow pilgrims as we walk towards our heavenly home, to hear from your voice this morning, to have encouragement from you as to what we are to do as we walk the the narrow and straight path. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we look at your word. Enlighten us by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we pray that you would enable us by his power to be able to do what your word says. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've come uh, towards the end of Hebrews chapter 13, which we've been working our way through together, which is the end of the book. I figure we've probably only got one more sermon uh, left in this book together, even though I started it nine years ago. Uh, We are finally going to come to an end next week. And this morning we've come to verses 15 and 16 of Hebrews chapter 13. I encourage you, if you've got a Black Church Bible, open it up to page 1194. And Hebrews 13 has we've seen is basically a list of exhortations, practical steps as a Christian as to how we are to live. The earlier part of Hebrews is, of course, talking again and again about Jesus Christ and how we need to trust in him, that he is the one who is worthy of our faith. He is the one that we are to follow. We are not to follow the teachings of Judaism as a way to salvation, to go back to Judaism as the early readers were tempted to do. No, we are to follow Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of Judaism. He is the one who fulfills all the promises of God that were made in the Old Testament. And so then, if we trust in Christ, then we are to live differently. And that's what Hebrews 13 has been teaching us, how we are to live as Christians. And so verse 15 and 16 have further teaching for us today. And verse 15 in particular tells us something that we are supposed to do. What does verse 15 tell us that we as Christians are supposed to do? It reads, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. What are we supposed to do if we are Christians? Well, according to verse 15, we are to confess God's name. We are to praise him. We are to praise him for who he is. I was a bit difficult there this morning with the kids, uh, trying to convince them as to what praise means. But if you praise God, then you praise him for who he is. You consider his attributes, you consider his mercy, his love, his power, his holiness, and you praise him. And that may be in prayer, that you sit down and you consider who God is and you then come to him in prayer of praise, that you honour him and say you are a merciful God, you are a loving God, you are a wonderful God and awesome because of the attributes that I know about you. But it may also be that you pray along with others. You come along to church meetings like the one here this morning. We've praised God a number of times from the opening prayer to the songs to the pastoral prayer. Uh, Even as we're looking at his word now, we can be responding in praise to him. Uh, And of course, one of the ways that we can praise God is by reading his word, which has praise in it and reading it directly to God. If you are stuck to know how best to praise God, One of the most helpful things you can do is open up his word to sections of praise, particularly the Psalms are very good at helping us to direct our praise to God, to know what to say to God. There are many Psalms that talk about God's majesty. And if you read those and read them not just to yourself, but to God, you can praise him as we're commanded to do here in verse 15. 
But we can also praise God in song. As I said before, we've, we've sung his praises this morning. It's not just private prayer that we praise God, but we do it in song. We sing directly to God with other people, or we can even sing in our own homes, or you can sing along in your own head as you listen to recordings of people singing praise. That's what I like to do now with MP3s. When I'm on a walk, I listen to a song of praise to God and I echo it in my own heart. I don't sing it so the other joggers and walkers going past can hear me, but I'm praising God in song in one sense uh, by singing along in my head to those songs of praise to God. The question is, how much should we praise God? How much should we praise him? If we are to praise him, how often should we do so? And the verse actually tells us. Verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Now, what does continually mean? Does that mean all day, every day, you are meant to be praising God? Well, it can't mean all day, every day, constant prayer in the sense that you never stop because the very next verse tells us to be doing other things as well with our time. Verse 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. We're meant to be helping others as well with our Christian life. So we're not to be a monk in a monastery somewhere, and we just praise God continuously and never interact with anybody else. Verse 16 tells us that that would be wrong because you're meant to do good to others and share with them, have fellowship with other people. So continually, what does that mean? It means that we are to regularly remember God in praise. We're meant to regularly praise God. We are to have time for other things, particularly service of those around us to help those. We always notice that love for God and love for others go together, that the teaching of the scriptures is always that right words and right deeds go together. But we're meant to remember to praise God. We're not to spend our time as a monk in a monastery cell praising God continuously without doing anything else. But we're also meant to not swing to the other extreme where we're doing good to others all the time and never spending time in praising God. So how often should you praise God? Well, I'd recommend at least daily. Spend some time praising God. Take one of his attributes and consider it and speak to God about his love. It may be a short prayer of praise, Maybe a short song that you listen to or sing to God in your heart. But it should be each day that you consider the Lord and praise him accordingly. And of course, with others, weekly would be a good rule of thumb as well. To come as the Lord has instituted, that the Lord's day, that we spend time together in praising God. We do other things at our church services as well, but one of the main reasons we come to church is to honour God with our lips to confess his name, to give him the praise that he deserves. But you may be thinking, well, that's going to take a lot of my time. That's going to be a real hassle uh, for me to praise God each day, to remember him with prayers of praise, to sing to him, to come to church each week. That's going to cost me. Well, I think that's what the Bible recognises when it calls it a sacrifice in verse 15. Look with me again. 
In verse 15 it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. A sacrifice implies cost, that you are giving up something else so that you can honour somebody else, that you're giving over something, you're sacrificing something for somebody else's sake. And of course, the Jews who would have been reading this letter, of course, knew what sacrifices were because they would think of the animal sacrifices and that they would have to make to atone for their sins in the past. They would be very much conscious of the fact that sacrifices were costly. It would cost them meals to, to have to offer a animal instead of eating the animal themselves it would be given over to God it was costly to them and so if you're going to praise God yes it's going to cost you it's going to mean sacrificing particularly your time first of all you're going to have to make time to praise God and we've all got time available to praise God we've got lots of time in our lives It's just that we like to choose to do other things instead of spending time praising the Lord. If you're going to fulfill the command here in verse 15, that means that you're going to have to turn the television set off, you're going to have to turn the PlayStation off, you're going to have to close the book, no matter how interesting it might be, you're going to have to turn the phone off so that you have that time to praise God. It means that when you're travelling in the car... Or on public transport, you may stop the daydreaming, just looking out the window, not thinking about much at all, and you think, I'm going to spend some time now honouring God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to speak to him about how wonderful he is. I'm going to put a Christian song on the CD player in the car, and I'm going to sing along to that rather than simply look out the window. And it may even say mean saying no to other people to spend time with them. If you're a social butterfly and you've not got any time in your life to praise God because you're always out and about doing things with others, it may be that you need to learn to say no. And I can't come out tonight. And you don't necessarily need to say why. They may think you're a bit of a freak if you say, I've got to spend some time praising God tonight. But it may mean that you have to say no. And this may even mean that you have to say no to others on Sundays as well, when you're meant to be coming corporately to praise God. You're meant to say, no, I can't work. No, I can't come out. I have to spend some time praising God with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it may even cost you time in doing good to others. As we saw there, we're meant to, in verse 16, not forget to do good, to share with others and uh, to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased, we have to remember that we also have to praise God. Now, there's this extreme that people can go to. They spend all their time doing good for others, spend very little time praising God. Some people spend all their time praising God, but wouldn't lift a finger to help anyone. Don't know which one is the one that you struggle with, but we need to remember both. And so if you're finding that, oh, yes, I do so many good things for others that I don't really need to have a quiet time with the Lord today. I don't really need to spend some time praising him. I've done enough for him today. Then you've neglected verse 15. And you need to say no to helping others if it's going to harm your time with the Lord. And if it's a sacrifice to praise God, 
It's not just going to cost you time, but it's going to cost you mental strain as well. And this is what I think causes many people not to want to praise God, is that it just costs them to actually focus their mind, and they just don't like doing it. If it was something else, if God just said, go walk around the block and come back in, they'd be quite happy to do it. But to actually sit down and praise God, to think about him, it costs them. You've got to think about God. And you've got to know something of him then, which means you need to study him. You need to study his word and who he is. You need to study books about him, particularly books about his attributes, about his mercy, his love, his goodness, his power, the dominion that he has. And no better book I can think of than discusses his attributes than Sharnock's book on the attributes of God. It's a weighty tome. It's written by a Puritan but it was instrumental for me to understand God's attributes and how they all connect to one another, how it's wonderful that he is not just a God of goodness, but he's also a God of power, which means he can actually put his goodness into practice. Imagine having a God who is loving but not all-powerful. What good would that God be? Yes, he loves you, but he can't do anything for you. But he's loving and powerful. And he's not just a God of power then, and you think, well, if he was not a good God, well then he could use his power for evil in this world, but his goodness is there with his power and so that he uses his power for good here. It's a wonderful book, Sharnock's The Attributes of God, available on the church library, to help you to praise God. But it costs you mental strain to focus on books like that, and then to put words into practice, to actually sit down and focus on God and praise him. So we've seen here from verse 15 that we are to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. But you may say, I, uh, yes, I can see that there, but I lack the motivation to do so. It's really hard for me to make the time. It's really hard for me to say no to others. It's really hard for me to focus that mental strain. And so I really struggle with a motivation to praise God. So what can you do this morning to help you, to have that motivation, to praise God as it tells you there in verse 15? Because it's a common problem. Sinful creatures love to praise themselves, but to praise their creator, it's a whole other matter. How can you have greater motivation to praise God? How can you have greater motivation to praise anyone? When do you praise people? When do you honour them? When do you say nice things about someone? It's usually when they've helped you. This week when I went for a walk, uh, one of my children went with me on a bike and they get far ahead, I'm walking, they're riding, far ahead and I look up and I see that my child is on the ground um, and I see a jogger picking up the bike and putting it over to one side, they're far in the distance, and, uh, and, and then bending down and talking to my child. And so I realised something's up and I, I run over. And yes, my child had fallen off, really hurt themselves, and a uh, bit of blood uh, dripping down the arm. I mean, the smallest scratch is the emergency in our house. To actually see blood running down an arm, uh, that's like we have to go to the hospital. Uh, so severe pain, obviously a loud squawk was given by the child. And this jogger was very kindly, this lady jogger was there kneeling down and talking, picked up the bike and put it up, uh, took it off the pathway, uh, stood it up properly and talking. 
And so I, I got there and I said, thank you very much, and I looked after the situation from there, and she went on jogging. And so when I got home, I mentioned to Jill, my wife, about what had happened, and, and I praised this jogger. I said, how nice. You know, she probably was trying to get a good time going around the Bay Run, jogging past, and, uh, and it would have been a hassle for her. It may have ruined her record that she may have been breaking uh, going around the Bay Run. But she stopped. She spent some time with my, my child and made sure that they were okay. And so it was easy to praise this jogger, to say nice things about the jogger because of the help that this jogger had given my child. And it's the same with God. If you want to be motivated to praise God, then you should consider the help that he has given you. Consider the help that he has given you. When you consider his saving work, it is easy to praise him. Now, you may have this happen from time to time. As things happen in your life, as you escape some sort of harm, you naturally want to say, praise God, which is another way that you can say praise. It might be directly to him, but to say to others, oh, praise God. He helped me. He helped me to escape whatever was coming my way. It may be that you've narrowly escaped death. It may have been that a car almost hit you or a car did hit you. And you actually walked away. What do you do in such moments? Well, one of the natural things to do is say, praise God, I'm okay. It's easy to praise God when you understand his saving work. What motivates us to praise God? His saving work. If you've escaped a health crisis, you can say, praise God. And we should do that. We should embrace such moments and come to God in praise as a result of his saving work. We saw an example of that in the scriptures before when we read from Exodus chapter 15 where Miriam is bursting into song because of the great exodus that has just happened for the Israelites. They've been saved by walking through the Red Sea. They've escaped from the Egyptian army. And so what does she do? She picks up her tambourine and praises God. And we should do the same. When we are saved from something... The motivation is there. We just need to embrace it, to praise God. And of course, the greatest saving work of God that should motivate our praise is the work that he has done for us in Jesus Christ. And this is given to us in the text, that this should be a motivation for us as well. Look with me again at verse 15. It says, Through Jesus, therefore... Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. See that third word in the NIV translation there, in that verse? Therefore. There's a common saying by preachers. Whenever you see a therefore, you've got to ask yourself the question, what is it there for? Why is that word there? That word is telling us that something else has come before that that leads us to do something in this verse. So what has come before verse 15 that encourages us then to praise God? Well, it's spoken of, the, the word here has spoken of the saving work of Jesus in verses 11 through to verse 14 of what he's done for us. Verse 11 says, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Jesus was crucified outside the city gate to make people holy. 
Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, for here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Verses 11 through to 14 speak about the saving work of Jesus Christ. That if we trust in Jesus Christ, we have been given an enduring city that is to come. We've been given eternal life. We should have been disgraced for eternity in hell. But instead, the earlier verses remind us that he was disgraced for us so that we go free. And therefore, because of his work, we should praise God. And it's easy when you consider seriously what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, that he died the death that you deserve and that you now have paradise to look forward to. Praise to God should come naturally. If you want to be stirred to praise God more, meditate upon the death of Christ. Meditate upon his body, his blood given for you. And praise will come. And if you don't want to praise God in prayer and in song, then are you really saved? Can you be regularly quiet before God, not offering him any praise, if you know that you have narrowly escaped the flames of hell? If you know that, how can you be silent to God? How can you not offer him praise day by day, week by week, year by year? Can praising God at church be boring if you know that you were bought with God's own blood? That God himself came and dwelt amongst us and died the death that you deserve. And yet on Sundays when you come along to church and people are praising God, you think it's boring. Doesn't that say something about you? That you are not actually converted? That you don't truly know the saving work of Jesus Christ? If you have no interest in praising God, then you still need to become a Christian. You still need to get serious about your sin, see how filthy your sin is, and embrace Jesus Christ, his precious blood given for sinners like you. And then understand that he has washed you by faith in him so that you are free and so that you are saved. You have salvation. And then I would encourage you to do what verse 15 says. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Now you may say, okay, yes, I am motivated to praise the Lord. I have considered my my salvation that God has granted me, but I still find that I'm reluctant to praise God because, to be honest, my prayers are a bit awkward and I can't really sing particularly when we're around other people. I can sing in the shower, but singing at church, it's a bit difficult because I think my praise isn't very good. So I'd rather keep my mouth closed than praise God. But you have to remember something that the text also tells you this morning about your praise. 
about your song. What does it say in verse 15? Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. When you praise God, whether it be in song or in prayer, it goes through Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It means that your praise is perfect in God's eyes. When God hears you praise him, he hears you through Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. He perfects your prayers. Anything that's not so good about them is swept away by him. And it's perfected in Jesus Christ. There's a great illustration in one of my favorite books on prayer about our prayers going through Jesus' name. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And I'll read a little section from it for you about what it means to pray in Jesus' name, praying through Jesus as we're instructed here in verse 15. Paul Miller says, Imagine that your prayer is a poorly dressed beggar, reeking of alcohol and body odour, stumbling toward the palace of the great king. So your prayer is a beggar, a foul-smelling beggar, going towards the great king. You have become your prayer. As you shuffle toward the barred gate, the guards stiffen. Your smell has preceded you. You stammer out a message for the great king. I want to see the king. Your words are barely intelligible, but you whisper one final word. Jesus, I come in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, as if by magic, the palace comes alive. The guards snap to attention, bowing low in front of you. Lights come on and the door flies open. You are ushered into the palace and down a long hallway into the throne room of the great king who comes running to you and wraps you in his arms. The name of Jesus gives my prayers royal access. They get through. Jesus isn't just the saviour of my soul. He's also the saviour of my prayers. My prayers come before the throne of God as the prayers of Jesus. Asking in Jesus' name isn't another thing I have to get right so my prayers are perfect. It is one more gift of God because my prayers are so imperfect. Jesus' seal not only guarantees that my package gets through, but it also transforms the package. So if you have the objection that you're reluctant to praise God because your prayers are awkward and you can't sing, you have to remember that because of Christ, your praise always gets through. And it's a sacrifice to God that delights him. In verse 16, we see that the sacrifices that we make delight God. Verse 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. God is pleased with the sacrifices that we make. The sacrifice that you make of your time and your mental strain to praise God is a delight to him. He is pleased with it. Fathers love to hear their children praise them. They may not be able to praise very well, but the father loves to hear a child praise. Last week was my birthday and one of my children made it, well, both of my children made a card uh, for me and one card uh, says, Happy Birthday, Joel, on the front. Um, It's got a little illustration here. And then uh, a couple, uh, Happy Birthday inside. And then on the back, it reads, 
Go, Joel, go, Joel, go, Joel, go, Joel, go, Joel. Yes, yes, smiley face. Now, to some of you, you may think that's pretty silly. But to me, as the father, I loved it. It's awkward. It's the same thing again and again and again. But there's a sentiment there. There's a love for me that's there. And so I loved it. And that's how God sees your prayers. All our prayers are imperfect. But in another sense, all our prayers are perfect because they go through Jesus Christ to our Father. And so you can even say the same thing again and again to God. Oh, you're merciful, 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 merciful God. It's kind of like saying, go Joel, go Joel, go Joel. And he loves it because it comes through Christ, from one of his children to him. And so he delights in it. So remember that you should not be reluctant to pray to God, to sing to him, even if you're off key. My children are learning to play the piano and... I know that other people probably wouldn't like to listen, but I love to be in the same room with them as they practice, as they make all their mistakes, as they play too fast or too slowly, as they play the wrong keys. I still like to listen to it because it's my children playing. Sometimes I do like to be down the other end of the house and have it tinkling through along the corridor, but I don't mind being in the same room either. And it's the same with God. You think you can't sing. Well, maybe you can't. But God thinks you can sing because you come through Jesus Christ. And he loves to hear his children make a joyful noise to him because it comes from the heart. It comes from faith in Christ. And so he delights in it. So we as Christians, we really have no objections to fulfilling this command here to continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. We have the right motivation, Jesus Christ's death, And we have the right way of doing it through Jesus Christ. He saves our prayers as well as us. So let's praise him as we should. Let's come before him now and praise him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you now in all our imperfections and praise you as a God of power a God of grace, a God of justice, a God who reigns supreme over all the earth. We thank you that we can praise you through Jesus Christ and that that means that our praise is pleasing to you always. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us great confidence in coming to you and honouring your name as we should. May we indeed sacrifice our time our brains, to give you that honour that you deserve. And may it be a delight for us and not a chore because we know what you have done for us in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.